Welcome uh, to another uh, Cyber Udeville podcast. It's been a little while since we did this. Uh, summer, travel, a bunch of other things like that. A lot of bad excuses. We'll use them anyway. So thanks to, for joining us again. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, recurring tasks. So hopefully in this podcast, we'll be able to sort of go between sort of the mundane, the boring, sometimes what I call the sort of the bread and butter, if you will, of a cybersecurity program and maybe more exciting topics. So I think next topic, we might talk about building threat intelligence, uh, building a threat intelligence program or process, if you will. Um, so that should be pretty cool. But one of the things that is kind of important with a cybersecurity program is recurring tasks. So that's what we'll kind of cover today. And we are going to put out a little tool um, that if you don't have a, a fantastic, you know, GRC type platform, you know, something that is, you know, doing a lot of automation, collecting data and so on and so forth you, for you, this tool will at least kind of help you get started and uh, stay kind of consistent. But we'll jump into that a little bit later. We'll talk more about that later. So why do we have recurring tasks? That might be one of the, the places that we want to start. You know, what, what are these recurring tasks anyway? Well, um, the analogy I like to use is really your car, your truck. There are some recurring tasks that you as an owner of a vehicle or a maintainer of a fleet might have to do to those. For example, every so often, you need to check the tire pressure. These days, most cars have tire pressure sensors. And so, you know, if they go too low, you know, you'll get a little light come up on your uh, on your panel, your, your dashboard that tells you that it got a low light. In fact, we've been driving around with a low light uh, sign in our car and I filled it up the other day and just a couple of days later, it's on again. So that tells me I've got a leak, um, uh, probably a slow leak in one of my tires and uh, I got to get that fixed. But anyway, that's, that's something that you might do on a recurring basis. The other thing, probably more, more consistently is getting your oil changed and some other checkups. And if you have a newer car, uh, most cars today have like a, a sequence, if you will, of different types of checkups. So the little computer in your car might tell you which particular service that you're supposed to have, or when you bring it into the dealer or whoever has something that can plug into that computer, they'll kind of know what they need to check. And you know, this is a great analogy really for what you need to do in your cybersecurity program is there are certain things that have to be done with certain frequencies. So with your car, it's the oil change. Then you've got things like checking hoses and fluids and rotating tires and checking your disc uh, brakes. Eventually, you're going to have some level of wear or something that needs attention besides just changing the, the fluids or changing the oil or what have you. And that's essentially why you do those things. So some things are you got to do stuff on a regular basis, such as change the oils, rotate the tires, but eventually you're going to hit certain thresholds and triggers that cause you to change those tires or get the, the rotors ground down because they have ridges in them or even replaced if they're too thin. Your disc brakes, uh, brake pads, uh, disc brakes or drum brakes you know, need to be replaced, other things like that. So that's, that's something that happens with your car, your vehicle. Pretty much anything like that, whether it's a plane or a boat, you're still going to do those things. So those are recurring tasks. If we now switch back over to the cybersecurity program, you have a very similar um, recurring task requirements there as well. So 
one of the ones that's probably fairly easy to comprehend is every so often you need to look at those policies and update them. If you're doing any sort of compliance, if you have to worry about credit card compliance, PCI, DSS, or uh, on the government side, you might be doing your, your CMMC, your capability maturity model uh, certification compliance, uh, what have you. There are many different things. Healthcare, it's HIPAA. You're going to have to check those policies or review them annually. So there's an annual task. Once a year, you got to look at those policies and do this. Typically, with all these regulations, you want to do a risk assessment once a year or two. And sometimes these things are combined depending on you know whether you have a tool or service that helps you with it or not. But there are many, many other things that you might um, do. In fact, let me, let me jump in and, and list some of them out. So uh, if you're responsible for uh, cybersecurity or information security in your organization, you probably are doing or should be doing vulnerability scanning. And that's something that you probably want to do more than once a year. Uh, we recommend doing it monthly. Um, most regulations have a minimum of quarterly. And we'll talk a little bit about frequency later, and we'll talk about why those intervals are the way they are. The other thing you might consider doing is account audits. Uh, so if you have Active Directory or you have other places where you put in users, and there's some you know, number of users, like a larger number of users or some degree of turnover, you need to do uh, an account audit, looking at whether or not you have stale accounts, uh, people that are no longer in the company that have uh, you know, left and, and their accounts just sitting there, other things like that. Uh, having that stuff in there could you know, leave uh, an access, uh, if you will, open to someone that uh, can guess the password or tinker with that account and nobody really notices. Typically, account audits you want to do quarterly, if you're a smaller company of a small, smaller user population, you might get away with something yearly. Uh, what you're kind of doing, actually, I should probably talk about that a little bit later, but the purpose for the account audit, the purpose for many of these recurring tasks is really to see, is the control working? So I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, firewall review, something you do quarterly, are all the rules, you know, have they been put in there properly and so on and so forth? And hey, Gina, that's one that we want to do as another process, by the way. That's one I couldn't remember yesterday. Firewall review process. So I, I talk about, you know, do your firewall review. And almost every time I talk to someone about that, what they go, or what they, what they then said is like, well, well, if they say anything, they're going to be like, well, what is it? How do you do it? It's one of those review tasks, if you will, that most companies, most organizations struggle with because they don't know what to do. They don't know what goes into a firewall review. That might be a good podcast actually to talk about how to do a firewall review, what goes into it. It, it seems like it's an intimidating and daunting task. Um, and sometimes it can be, particularly when you're starting out. But once you get going, um, it's pretty easy. Anyway, we recommend doing that quarterly. Um, and again, I'll talk about the frequency if you're a small company, I'll get back to this, but if you're a small company, then the number of rules in your firewall is probably relatively small and they don't change that often. So, uh, and, and there's really the, the attribute, if you will, that thing that determines what the frequency should be. So if you don't change very often, then reviewing can also be, you know, longer between each review. If you're doing multiple firewall rules, you know, a month or something like that. So you're a bigger organization, you need to do maybe monthly firewall reviews 
but we say typically you want to do it quarterly at minimum yearly. And then other things I mentioned, the annual policy, you might want to review procedures. Security awareness training is something that you probably don't even really think about, but it is a recurring task. Uh, if you have a program and are doing the bare minimum, you're doing an annual security awareness training. Um, and I say that's yes, yet another topic of security awareness training, you know, how to do it, what goes into it. And this can lead into the whole concept of culture as well. But yeah, other stuff, penetration testing, quarterly scanning for compliance, change control review. So if you have uh, change management or IT change control, that's something that should also be checked on. You know, did all changes go through that? Uh, risk assessments, you should be doing those with some frequency, both of projects as well as of your existing systems and processes. Application scanning, uh, risk steering committee. How often do you kind of talk about the, the risks or threats facing the organization, the weaknesses that you have, you know, things that you're concerned about, the value of your data, the exposure of your data, those kinds of issues. How often do you bring those to management's attention? That's, that's something that we recommend you do on a quarterly basis, but at least yearly. And then third-party audits. If you have any third parties that kind of participate in your systems and processes, you know, at some different, you know, mechanism or level, that's something that you should be uh, checking. So anyway, there's a list of them. And we're putting out this tool, a spreadsheet, if you will, that has quite a few more and kind of the recommended frequencies. In fact, this is one of those where I think we'll turn this into an infographic as well. So like, a, I don't know, posters may be a little bit extreme, but where we list out different tasks and their recommended um, frequency and maybe a little bit of other information about it as well. So, um, so those are all recurring tasks and, and maybe you caught on to the fact that their periodicity or how frequently they're, they're conducted changes. And, you know, you can pretty much have daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly tasks, maybe even semi-annually. And that's really where the idea of kind of organizing them and thinking about them in, in a structured fashion kind of comes into play. So let's just say that you have like 10 different things that need to happen with some frequency. Uh, you're scanning monthly. You're doing a risk assessment quarterly. You've got an annual uh, policy review. Uh, when you have 10 different things, it can be kind of tricky to keep all that in order. So you could always put you know, a note in your calendar to do those things. If you're at all like me, you might have that thing pop up and you snooze it or close it and forget about it. And, you know, well, there goes that technique for keeping on top of it. So putting it into, at a minimum, a spreadsheet is, um, is the way to go or a table. It doesn't have to be a spreadsheet, but something where you can kind of look at it and sort of check off that you've done it um, is kind of key. But let me go back a little bit to, you know, why do we have these recurring tasks? So I kind of touched on it with that access audit. The purpose with recurring tasks is really to make sure that whatever control you have is being performed. So let's say you set out at the beginning of the year to, to scan quarterly. You have to scan quarterly if you're a, uh, a card, I was going to say card carrying uh, member, but uh, if, you're a, uh, if you're a company that takes credit cards here in the United States, you are then beholden to the PCI uh, data security standard or the payment card industry data security standard. And it requires that at a minimum, you're 
getting a clean PCI scan on a quarterly basis. We, we recommend that you do it monthly, but let's just say that that's what you have decided to do. If you miss one month, then you are now violating your, your policy, your process, um, and you're gonna basically have a, a material weakness, if you will, in your process for the PCI. So if you're being audited, that's something that you're gonna have to answer to and explain, and for then it's basically gonna come up as a problem for you to deal with. So how do you make sure you do it? Well, you need some method at a minimum, a table and checking off boxes that make sure that you do it. And that's really one of those reasons that you have a recurring task uh, table. The other thing, like I mentioned with the account audit is the purpose for the account audit is to make sure that the actual control, meaning terminations happen and accounts are either uh, inactivated or deleted or somehow processed, that that happens as, as it was supposed to, as designed. So the, the account audit is really just a check and it typically identifies variances, meaning there were some accounts that didn't get closed out like they should. Uh, there might've been test accounts created for whatever reason that have been forgotten about. So the account audit kind of comes through, sweeps through, if you will, and identifies any of those. So they then can kind of get funneled back into the process and be properly closed out. That's really what it is. The firewall review is another example. You're really looking for a few different things when you do a firewall review. One, have all the rules been approved? Meaning did they go through either a firewall review board or change control? You want to make sure that no rules make it into your firewall that weren't planned, designed, you know, considered, thought through, if you will. And, and approved. So if you have that, then you've got to sort of do a little bit of investigation, figure out how did that rule get in there? Who did it? Maybe there's an educational opportunity. Um, the other thing you might look for is problems in your firewall. So part of that review might be looking for, are there rules that are too, uh, let's say too open, too excessive in terms of what they allow and, uh, and so on and so forth. So there's a task that your know, process, if you will, that you go through typically on a quarterly basis where you check for all those things and it's not that difficult. So I, again, I think it's a good topic for another, another podcast. So we'll leave it at that. Very good. So those, th those are essentially recurring tasks. So the analogy is your car, it needs an oil change. It needs, you know, uh, alternator belt tightened, uh, you know, checked and tightened tires rotated on some frequency. And the same is true. That, re that really is an underpinning, if you will, of a cybersecurity program or information security program is that these things happen. Otherwise, all that work that you might've done to put in the process or write the policy, you know, it's kind of for not if you don't do those things that you're supposed to. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about scope here? Like, and we're talking about um, recurring tasks and that it's an issue for a lot of companies. But how pervasive is this? Are a lot of people just dropping off on these recurring tasks? And what is the uh, follow-up question would be, what um, are the repercussions in real-world terms? That's a, that's a really good question. And I think you, you literally have everything you know, from, from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, I think there are a couple of different factors that, that influence how consistently these, these recurring tasks occur. So if you have a person that is just focused on those and that's how they're wired, then they're going to remember to do those things. Uh, and, and maybe they just occur that way. You might have a tool, 
the most common tool uh, out there that kind of addresses this is what we call a GRC tool or governance risk and compliance tool that you put these controls in and their uh, control check, if you will, the recurring task typically, you put that in there and it'll remind you, there'll be a workflow. Maybe it'll tell, you know, such and such a person that's responsible, you know, to do this, to do this task. Um, and actually uh, remind me about that one. This is another part of it. You know, who's doing the task. That's the other part. That's one of the reasons that you want to have some way of managing these recurring tasks because you might not be the one actually doing it. But, uh, but for those companies that have a GRC tool, very often this process is built into that tool and those recurring tasks happen there. But the other part of your question was, you know, what, how does this, you know, how, how does this happen in, in many organizations? Well, the reality is some of these things don't happen. They don't happen with the frequency that they should. And our experience very often going in and talking to organizations about many things, not necessarily about recurring tasks, is we discover that many of these quote unquote processes that they say that they're doing, but let's just use something completely different. How often do you update your network diagrams? These are the diagrams that show how things are connected, the underlying network and infrastructure, IP addresses, ports, and so on and so forth. Many, many times we come in and we ask for a network diagram, and either they give us something that's really outdated, or yes, yes, we'll get we'll get right back to you with that. And then you know, a week or two weeks go by as they're trying to find time to update it. And sometimes we don't even get it because they don't do that. Yet that is that is kind of the backbone of your IT uh, environment is is having you know updated documentation, things that show how things really are. And, you know, those things just don't happen. So more often than not, it's just, it's tedious. It's time consuming. It's hard to get to these particular tasks because you've got all sorts of other stuff going on. You know, that's, that's maybe a, a, an important point. One of the reasons that we often struggle with recurring tasks is they're so easy to push off when something else pressing, burning issue is right in front of you. I'll give you an example. We have a healthcare client. And they even have a tool that does the annual risk assessment. It does policy sort of updates. And almost every year that happens in the last two weeks in December to make sure that it gets done within that year, because otherwise they have a compliance uh, failure, if you will. And then lastly, kind of, you know, when does it work? Um, how does it work? Or what are the consequences? Often that's tied to whether or not you're, required to do things. So if you uh, are in the you know, compliance driven uh, state of your program, meaning a lot of what you do is determined because some compliance framework, healthcare or government or payment card you know, industry tells you you have to do it, that might be the, the, the real reason that you're doing those things. Or the other part of your question was, what are the consequences? Well, if you don't do them, you fail compliance or if you have material weaknesses that you have to report. If you're audited by a third party, a, a public accounting firm, which is usually who audits these things, then you know they'll write an opinion about you know, not meeting the, the requirements or the intent of the standard. So I think that kind of answered most of your questions there. Two things that come to mind. First is like how pervasive is a lack of recurring tasks? You know, 
organizations actually, you know, using that uh, tool or, or leveraging that. And then, you know, beyond a regulatory organization or entity demanding compliance, what are the reasons why people should do it just to, to keep their system clean? Yeah, it's kind of all of those things. So if you're not driven by compliance, then, and that's why we have compliance. Uh, you know, hell, that's another topic right there. Why do we have compliance? Uh, it's because it's really hard to keep on top of this stuff and other priorities, um, you know, kind of get in the way of doing those things. So, so when you don't have compliance, you probably are not very good at doing these recurring tasks or making sure that the controls that you put in are working or even have the right controls in place. You asked, you know, like how pervasive is this? Um, I'd say 100% of every company uh, that we've ever talked to is not doing what they need to do here, even when they have compliance. When the audit comes through, even if it's a third-party audit, it's often a scramble to get those things together, you know, whip together a review before the audit, make sure that everyone got their training right before the audit. In fact, that's one of the reasons we help companies put in place what we call an audit management program. If you're in the financial services or healthcare, you're frequently hit by a lot of audits, particularly financial services or, or even government. And uh, it's helpful to have some uh, structure around when those audits come and what's expected and so on and so forth. Otherwise, they become a little bit of a fire drill every single time. And, and this is all about trying to get ahead of that. If you don't have that whip that is compliance, you know, why should you do it? Why should you scan for vulnerabilities? A uh, couple of reasons. One, you probably are building these systems inconsistently or not consistently every time. So simply standing up systems it leaves some sort of hole open. So the vulnerability scanner or process will identify those risks before the bad guys do. Two, uh, the software that you know is uh, is part of those systems because it frequently is you know as they say software will eat the world uh, there's a lot of software out there <laughs> i don't know that we can brush our teeth today without interacting with software right so so that stuff needs to be updated now while it hasn't changed while it sits on your server or even on your phone or or that computer what happens is bugs that were built into that software unintentionally or intentionally are discovered. And so new vulnerabilities will show up whether or not you touch the system. And then lastly, how you use the system and so on and so forth. The bad guys out there figure out stuff, uh, what it's connected to. So there's good reason to really be doing vulnerability scanning, just as an example. When you identify those vulnerabilities, you have now uh, knowledge that you can go and do something about it. You can fix it. You might determine that it's insignificant. So you learn something, and it's insignificant. In fact, last night we were just looking at a vulnerability scan that we do for a client. And I'm looking through what we're doing there. And one of the pieces that I see is that, you know, in this latest report, there were a lot of repeat findings. So we're seeing findings that they just won't fix, probably because they're not significant enough. And, you, you know, if you, if you have a larger environment, you are going to end up with vulnerabilities that just kind of don't rise to the level of getting the attention. They might get fixed as a matter of other things, upgrades, changes down the road, but you're not going to set aside resources to fix them just because, hey, if you do your proper risk assessment of the, the findings, maybe it's not necessary. But, uh, but long story short, the reason you do these things is you're going to find problems. 
if you don't find those problems, there's a chance somebody else will. Uh, ransomware attacks, uh, what we call business email compromise attacks. A lot of these different things are, or these attacks, excuse me, are because there are weaknesses in your environment that the bad guys can take advantage of. If you look at sort of the anatomy of a ransomware attack today, uh, and, and I mean today as in the most recent approach, it might very well be that some hacker has managed to get into your environment and has a, a door in at this point in time and really lets the ransomware in as opposed to the ransomware discovering some weakness about you and leveraging that. So if you're checking on your stuff, if you're doing something with some frequency and looking for problems in your environment, whether it's accounts that are stale and should have been closed or vulnerabilities that should have been discovered or you know, one more thing you might add to your list of recurring tasks is uh, threat hunting, looking for indicators of compromise in your environment. If you do that stuff, there's a chance that you discover that hole, that activity, if you will, that this, uh, this initial compromise that, you know, uh, is about to let the ransomware is, you might discover that before that ransomware comes in and gives you a huge headache. Doesn't mean you're not dealing with a breach at that point in time, but at least there's a, there's a chance that you're going to discover it. You do, really don't want to be finding out these problems the hard way, meaning when someone has breached your organization, where someone has stolen data, uh, you know, turned your environment, you know, into a bunch of useless bits because everything is encrypted. That's not how you want to find this stuff out. So how do you find it out? You've got to do these recurring tasks, these things that make sure that your controls are working. And one more thing kind of on that is the more you spend time checking on these controls, the better those controls become because you're going to find other kinds of problems, not necessarily that they're not happening, but maybe they're not happening the way they should, or maybe they didn't quite work the way that they were initially designed. Uh, using policy as an example, why would you review your policies annually? Well, uh, why wouldn't you? Things change. Your policies need to change. Policies are like the law that we live with. Every year, there are new laws made, there are changes to old laws, you know, some things just don't work anymore. And the same is true for, you know, cybersecurity and IT. Technology moves on and it moves on at a faster and faster pace. And so you have to adjust your policies based on the technology and how the technology is used. Go back a few years, well, many years now, we didn't have this thing called BYOD, bring your own device, right? Nobody did. You got your device handed to you by the company. Well, then that came and now we had a, a policy of how to connect and what data you can have and so on and so forth. Um, you won't believe the number of, of policies that I've seen that still have BlackBerry in them. I mean, you know, who has a BlackBerry these days? Um, but you'll still find it in the policies and that stuff should really go out, right? You should deprecate, you know, policies or, or stuff in those. That's why you do it. That's why I do those things. I have to interject here. I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was on Windows 7 and swears that that's that she, Good luck. she's barely ever online. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. But I was like, okay. If you're truly air gapped and living in a bubble, sure, you can run on Windows XP or Windows 95. <laughs> but if you're sometimes online, <laughs> barely ever. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah. There you go. Um, you know, it's interesting though, because kind of fundamentally, that's a that's a risk aptitude that has to do with how willing you are to take risks, um, and that's an assessment. That's something that's an evaluation that you know you have to do as an organization or even as a person. When I talk about risk aptitude, 
usually the analogy I like to use is there are guys out there that strap on one of these squirrel suits and go flying down the mountains at breakneck speeds, flying through gaps and rocks. And then, you know, they get to some point and they deploy the chute. There are other guys who will jump out of a plane uh, and chase their parachute down, put it on and then release it. To me, that's a level of risk. I'm not even close. I don't even want to stand there and look at this. That's how far away from that level of risk I want to be. But for some, that's an acceptable level of risk. I, I don't think it makes a ton of sense because there are too many accidents with that stuff. But um, that's really a personal choice or for the company, it's a company choice. So, so I, I'm a big believer in companies have to think about this stuff, figure out how risky they want to be. Where I feel like we as security professionals often fall down is translating all this sort of technology and stuff that we are steeped in and understand. We, we fail to translate that, uh, or don't always, but, but frequently we, we're challenged translating that into how it affects the business and how, let's say, a CEO or CEO or someone high up should be you know, managing that or looking at it or understanding it. They understand a lot of stuff, for example, uh, cash uh, balances and reserves or, you know, investing in certain markets. Like this is the stuff that they do all day. Yet we might be looking at, like, say, a threat of ransomware or penalty from not protecting credit cards. And it just doesn't rise to their level yet. It could have millions of dollars worth of uh, financial impact attached to it. And that's really our job in securities to try to take that information and, and bring it up to, uh, to the decision makers, truly. Anyway, so, so one of the things that I like to talk about in terms of that, well, two things. One is if you want to be able to talk about cybersecurity, the value that it adds to your organization, for example, maybe the um, state of security, doing these recurring tasks is a way to gather information, metrics, if you will, that you can report on. So if you report on how many times you do a firewall review or the findings that you're finding, uh, hopefully you'll see that over time, there's a trend of things getting better or worse or staying the same. And you can report on that. Uh, you can even use it to sort of say, hey, we're, we're finding so many issues in the firewall review and we want to make it a goal that we want to see less issues next year. What are we going to do? You can break that goal down into, let's go talk to the firewall engineers. Let's look at the way that we do our firewall review process. Maybe you don't have one. So now you put one in, you know, other things like that, that might contribute to having less and less of those issues. Your awareness training. If you're doing it once a year and you're not scoring very well, you could look at that and say, all right, you know, how about we increase the frequency? And then we're going to measure that we're staying with that increased frequency and then see how the scores do. All of these things produce different measures, metrics, if you will. Some might be KPIs, key performance indicators that you could use to measure how well your program is doing. And that's yet another topic, metrics. We should talk about that another time. How do metrics tie a security program, if you will, a cybersecurity program, information security program to what the hell the company is doing? We'll, we'll delve into balance scorecards and stuff uh, down the road, but that, that would be an interesting topic as well. But back to this stuff here, some of these recurring tasks will give you some key measures that you can use to push for more funding, more resources, maybe offload some of the tasks to other organizations uh, or other departments in your company. And that reminds me actually one more thing. So 
one of the reasons to do the recurring task piece is you might not be the person that's responsible for this stuff. And so you're not going to remember or know whether someone has done their part unless you have a tool. For example, the annual policy review, most organizations or many organizations, there are going to be certain policies that aren't your responsibility if you're the CISO or director of security, but it'll be someone else's responsibility. Your responsibility is making sure that it gets done, but you might not be the person doing it. So if you're that guy that's doing everything the last two weeks of the year, well, guess what? The, the person that's supposed to be doing that task might not be around and then you're stuck doing their job too. So that's one more reason to do that. I also like to suggest that if you are managing your recurring tasks, well, then you get to be a little smart about it. So you can now take some of those different tasks and put them throughout the year at a time where it's maybe easier to do. There might be things that because you're in retail and you, you're beholden to things like Black Friday and the holiday season and these different times, there might be things that you can't do at that time. So if you manage your recurring tasks pretty smartly, then you can set dates uh, for when you want them done. And this kind of bleeds into that audit management uh, piece. Now, all of this stuff, to me, what it really does for a program and for that CISO or whatnot that sort of has oversight of the program is it creates what I like to think of as cadence. Cadence uh, is just a fancy word for rhythm, if you will. Uh, you've probably seen it in, in you know, movies about uh, the military where they're uh, doing drills or, or marching, and it's a way to get that rhythm. But we also need rhythm in cybersecurity. Otherwise, if we don't have any rhythm, then a lot of things get sort of piled up and you do late night uh, you know, procrastination style management. And this is really one of those benefits of recurring tasks. So I think that, I, Gina, do you have any other questions or anything like that that we didn't touch on? You know, you were talking about policy review every year, you know, having that as a recurring task. What about having a review of your recurring tasks every year? You know, what do we add to our recurring tasks each year? I think that's a great idea. Uh, again, it's a control of a control. And you could say there's nothing wrong with having a control of a control of a control. So um, you can use it more as a, hey, I've got a you know whiteboard behind me that I put stuff up on. And basically, I'm, I'm putting things up there I need to get done. You can kind of use it as a working tool. But you can also use it almost as an artifact that, that's a measure of your program where, yeah, you check it. And, and I would say, if you have a GRC tool, and we'll talk about that separately another time, then kind of reviewing what you have in that GRC tool actually becomes uh, one of those tasks that you want to do with some you know, uh, frequency. So to me, one of the biggest takeaways of this conversation and of this episode is that this affects pretty much everybody, like every organization. You said 100% are lacking in some way. Mm -hmm. or, you know, substantially. Substantially. So this is something that is pervasive and and really dangerous to not have the checks and balances in your business. Yes. Yeah. You know, a friend of mine, um, she, was a, she was a helicopter pilot in the Army, and she uh, had, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 flights. So as a helicopter pilot, you talk about flights as opposed to hours, and she had flights. And she says, not a single time did I do a flight without a checklist. So as a pilot, I'm a pilot, you follow checklists. And, and the, the reason that you follow checklists is that it's too easy to forget some little critical task 
that then you know becomes that catalyst for a chain you know of events that leads to a, a just a really bad outcome. So when you're when you're operating a machine like a helicopter or a plane, there are just lots of little things that you have to pay attention to, and your mind uh, might remember most of them, but it doesn't take but one little sort of external factor like ooh there was a lightning or there was some weather or someone asks you a question in the middle of kind of your you know mental checklist and you miss something. You miss that a fuse uh, was out and, and maybe that fuse was to your, your uh, fuel management system and you discover, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes into your flight that you don't know what your fuel consumption is and how much you have left. You know, those things can, can lead to problems uh, and, and disasters. So, so that's what a checklist is for in rockets, in airplanes, in helicopters, you know, boats, what have you. You have these checklists because one of those little items is critical and affects many other things. And this is very much the same reason why we have a recurring task list is to make sure that those things that need to get done are done. It's not something you do before every flight per se. Uh, you can certainly use checklists within these processes. For example, you might have a checklist for termination, which makes sure you do all the different things that need to be done during termination. But you know the recurring task uh, tasks are essentially just a way to make sure that those things that need to get done, let's say in a whole year and with some periodicity are done consistently. That's why you do it. I think I'll, I'll just sort of end there with sort of what about frequency? One of the things about frequency is like, how often should you be doing this side of the other? And like I said, kind of at the beginning, you could do something daily. If you're looking at logs and you don't have a, an automated solution, um, that might be something that you, you have as a daily task. If you're doing it daily and if you're doing it consistently, you know, maybe you just remember and it becomes just routine, but that might be one of those things. Now, would you be checking off on a list that you do it daily? Probably not. You need maybe some other mechanism to make sure it gets done. But uh, where you start having that periodicity might be at the weekly level or certainly from monthly, quarterly and annually. Weekly is also one of those things where it might just become part of a meeting or something that you do, but you could certainly put it into a framework. But how often do you do something? So the way I look at it is it's dependent largely on two different factors. Um, if it's compliance, then the compliance framework or, or regulation probably tells you how often you need to do something. For example, healthcare and finance, um, you have to do a risk assessment once a year. You have to review your policies once a year. So that's, that's at least the, the bare minimum. The baseline is often that uh, regulatory requirement. But outside of that, if, if the purpose is really to make sure that your controls are working, then a lot of it has to do with how frequently that control, that activity that you're assessing occurs. So if you're doing a single project a year, then a risk assessment once a year will be sufficient. If you have a portfolio of 134 projects, then you probably need to do uh, risk assessments more frequently. Um, if you're a slow moving organization and changes don't occur, you might get away with, you know, a biannual uh, or excuse me, semi-annual uh, steering committee meeting. But if changes occur more often and things are kind of volatile, take like a tech company, software company, you might want to have a monthly risk steering committee meeting where you have a, a, an opportunity to talk about threats out there and the exposures that you have and the vulnerabilities that probably occur are created, generated within your organization on a, on a regular basis. Vulnerability scanning, you know, quarterly, not advisable. Uh, you know, if you have any sort of Microsoft stuff in your environment, 
you'll probably know that every Tuesday, uh, you know, or Tuesday of the month, excuse me, Patch Tuesday, you're applying patches. And why is that? Well, between that Tuesday and the, the previous Tuesday, they discovered a bunch more vulnerabilities that need to be patched. So if you're not scanning for those, um, you know, you're not going to find them. And it's true across many other pieces of software that you have in your environment that don't have that uh, frequency that Microsoft has, has put out there. So th that's essentially one of those parts, if you will, about that, that drive frequencies. You know, how often are things changing, whether the, you're changing them or uh, the software that you depend on has vulnerabilities discovered? And then, you know, are there some things that, you know, force you to do it with some periodicity or you violate a regulation? Those are the, the probably the two key factors that drive frequency. Hey, Steve, tell us about the recurring task tool. We've, uh, we've created uh, a recurring task sort of worksheet. It's a spreadsheet, call it a matrix, a tool, whatever you want. It's actually something that uh, I've been you know, providing for clients over the years for different purposes, PCI, healthcare, et cetera. And uh, it's sort of grown uh, from just a basic list and table in a Word document to, to now being in a spreadsheet. And um, this is available for download. And basically what it has is a task, a description control. You can uh, reference it to a policy framework. And this is great if you're dealing with audit stuff. We put in there, you can, you can determine whether it's a mandatory or non-mandatory recurring task. You can add assignments, you know, primary backup, tertiary assignments, dates that it should be uh, done and so on and so forth as well as evidence location. And anytime you're dealing with audits or trying to prove that you're doing those things, this stuff is super helpful. So we put that in there for you. And then really the, the part that's going to help you stay on top of this is this table and the organization of it. So we have basically checkboxes for a monthly, quarterly, and annual tasks sort of laid out for you and you just organize them into those different groups. So you put all your monthly tasks, kind of the first set of tasks, and then you can literally check off, you know, uh, where you are, January, February, whatever. And it helps you go through and say, oh, yeah, you know, shoot, we didn't do June. Let's get June done, you know, or something like that. And, and maybe one of your recurring tasks is to look at the recurring task spreadsheet once a month to see what you're doing and making sure that you're staying on top of that. It's an awesome tool. It's been honed over the years. A lot of different companies have sort of had their input and this is kind of where we ended up. And then it's for each category of, you know, the periodicity, we have some example tasks, the ones that we listed, we just put in there so that you have something to start with, modify it, you know, to your heart's content. And then, you know, if you find this useful, you might also essentially get to a point where you're like, oh, you know, I have to do this whole thing. You, you might get to a point where you realize that you're ready for what's called a GRC tool or a governance risk compliance tool. And if you're kind of there or, or thinking about that, come talk to us. Uh, we've done a lot of implementations of those and we'd be happy to uh, advise you or give you some thoughts about that as well. But if you're doing nothing, this is a great place to start. Simple. We've made it easy for you. So, you know, click on that link, download the tool, put your stuff in there and just, you know, start. So I hope this was informative that maybe if it wasn't the most exciting and uh, sort of scary and emotional uh, podcast we've done, that there was some useful information here. As always, please uh, like the podcast, share it with anyone if you think someone might have some value out of it. Please tell us if uh, we suck and need to do a better job because uh, we, we can only get better if you, if you tell us that and, and we'll do that. So 
Uh, for now, uh, Cyberia will sign it off. Thank you.